Welcome to the Taking the Lead podcast, where we empower people to be unstoppable. I'm Christina Hapner with my co-hosts, Leslie Hoskins and Timothy Cunio. You guys, I have been on such a coffee kick. I like that this is new, but I've been discovering all these new co- coffee shops near me and they just opened one that you can get coffee on draft. Isn't that insane? Oh, well, I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, it's July. Should we be drinking hot coffee or not? Uh, I'm sitting here, you're going to be having a hot, sweaty day and you're drinking <laughs> something that's 120, 35 degrees. When does the insanity stop? I mean, I can understand in the wintertime, <laughs> but in the summertime, can we have some iced coffee? I think that's, yeah, think? that's a great debate. When um, do you switch or do you? So, I would like to settle yeah, this please debate. weigh in, Christy. She's got her hand <laughs> raised, everyone. She does have her hand raised. Um, so, you start to switch when spring hits. So, you can, in spring, because there's those cold days and those warm days, on the cold days, you do warm coffee. So, it's a transition period. Okay. At least it is in my life. You guys, I'm a coffee addict, if you don't know. Um, and so, you start to transition. And then, when it hits, like, May, you should fully be on cold coffee unless we unless it snows in May I know that happens sometimes but you should See, fully be I I disagree I like my hot coffee in the morning because it's like still crisp and cold I got a yeah. hot coffee this morning she is a hot, I was late today because you know, I had to stop for coffee but if I'm gonna get like a mid-morning coffee or like middle of the day coffee then I will go for an iced coffee otherwise absolutely the not. hot coffee in the morning I, I don't care the temp no absolutely not no. Timothy, what do you do? <laughs> I just I just can't do iced coffee. I'm sorry. If, if it gets lukewarm, I, I, I can't I can't do it. It's just I can't drink ice I can't drink iced coffee. I, you don't I drink any iced coffee at all? No, no. I just can't do it. It's you just guys don't, were not. It's not right. It's not it's it's just not right. It's I'm like so in sorry. the eighties right. and nineties here in Michigan and you have a warm coffee. Yeah, I got warm coffee this morning and it was delightful, Christina. <laughs> Man, well, you know what? If anybody else has anything to say on this coffee debate, you know where to reach us. Yes, settle the debate. <laughs> hot coffee, iced coffee, when does it start? When does it stop? When? So when do you go back to hot coffee then in the fall? Um, In the fall. So fall, oh my gosh. Fall is the You're perfect time. Pumpkin you spice get a nice Ameri- latte. Pumpkin no, and, coffee. A pumpkin nice Americano spice. with cinnamon on top. Oh, oh man. Oh, I can do, okay. do Americana. Yeah, I can do Americana. Yeah, yeah with cinnamon on top, and it gives you that little fall oh. feel. You guys, I could talk about all the holidays and coffee. I'm <laughs> sure you could. I'm sure you could. All right. Well, that is enough. Please let us know your thoughts on hot or iced and when and where and cinnamon or not, I guess, all of the things. But, uh, We're excited because today's guest is a member of the Leader Dog team who has led the canine care team for over the last 11 years. Yes, Jeff Stein actively engages a passionate group of 25 team members and over 200 volunteers, ensuring the needs of our future Leader Dogs are met while they are in the Canine Center for Guide Dog Training. Hello, Jeff. Welcome to the podcast. Can you tell us about your background and uh, what brought you to Leader Dog 11 years ago? Absolutely. Good morning, Timothy. I'm so excited to be here. Actually, I started my journey with Leader Dog over 30 years ago. Uh, I started as a puppy raiser as a 13-year-old kid. And uh, ultimately, to be honest, I just wanted a dog when I was a (laughs) 13-year-old. And uh, from there, uh, I learned that, wow, I truly can do something that's changing somebody else's life. And it was an amazing journey just being able to raise Jerry was my first puppy that I raised. And uh, he was a great golden retriever. Unfortunately, his career change didn't make it. Uh, but 
ultimately gave me that opportunity to learn about, hey, what is a mission and how can I change people's lives? And from there, I, I didn't just right away go into leader dog and grow. Uh, I did go through school and finish college and went and worked for profit. But ultimately, I found myself finding a, at a point where I was like, I don't feel like I'm really doing more. I don't feel like I'm giving back, I'm changing, I'm making a difference in the world. And 11 years ago, I saw the opportunity to join Leader Dog and manager of canine care. I was like, man, this is perfect. It's the best of all worlds. I get to work with dogs every day, all day long, and I'm changing somebody's life with the dogs that I'm working with. And it's been an amazing journey since. It's awesome. That is awesome. I had no idea that you started at 13. You raised a puppy. Have you raised puppies since? I have not. Currently, I'm working on my wife, and okay. my kids are working on my wife to allow us to raise another puppy. Uh, so I have three kids, and my youngest is two. So we're, we're going to hold off just a little bit longer. Our, our house is full. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's, you know, that's one thing we don't think about is the impact that these dogs have on our puppy raisers' lives, even at such a young age. Like, we have talked to a couple of puppy raisers and volunteers and stuff like that, but you haven't really thought about the kid side of that. That was such a positive impact for you that it shaped your career kind of absolutely and uh it's fun listening to my daughter she's uh nine years old and she is all in to raise a leader dog she's she's like i want a dog one just like i was at <laughs> yeah. uh, but working for leader dog she also knows our mission and she's seen truly our guide dogs out there working and leading somebody that's blind visually impaired and she's like i want to be part i want to be part of the mission in the community and it's just amazing listening to her oh. That is so awesome. And I didn't know that is where your journey started. And now you take care of all the dogs in our canine center. Can you tell people that don't know what it is? What is our canine center? Absolutely. So our, our canine development center, we have on average about 130 to 150 dogs that are in for training. And uh, so that's dogs that have been with their puppy raisers for their first year of life. And then they return to us. Uh, so on campus, uh, ultimately, we have currently using about 10 villages, but we have 14 villages that we're able to keep dogs in. And in those 10 villages, there's 16 suites that each dog has their own suite that they're staying in. Uh, so ultimately, when you look at that, we have uh, strings of dogs that come in. So a string is uh, typically about 32 dogs, and they come in over a three-week time period. So we have 11 dogs each week coming in. And of those 11 dogs that are coming in, First and foremost, they're coming from both prisons because half of our dogs are raised in prison program as well as half of our dogs are raised with outside families. So it's a, a transition. It takes a little bit to go from that prison atmosphere or home atmosphere into a canine center. Uh, most homes or prisons don't have another 11 dogs running around the village <laughs> and enjoying themselves. So very different feel. Can you tell us what's the difference between a village, a suite, a bay? I know I hear these words all the time and I kind of think I know, but this would be great if you could explain it. Absolutely. So uh, in the past, we called our villages bays. And uh, before uh, ultimately the Canine Development Center, we renovated about five years ago. And uh, we had 40 dogs that stayed in our canine center at, and ultimately in each bay. Uh, so with that, you can think about what does it sound like having 40 dogs in one bay uh, very loud, very energetic, and on top of that, it wasn't really the atmosphere or the uh, what we want for our dogs currently. Uh, things always change. When you look at the atmosphere or the environments that our dogs stay in, things have changed over the years. If you go back 80 years ago, dogs lived outside, mm -hmm. and that was commonplace. <laughs> uh, so you come to today, man, if we fast forward, amazing efforts to how we care, how we love, how we train, and 
ultimately just expectations of what our dogs live. I mean, ultimately, as a guide dog, they need to be able to go into a restaurant, be underneath that table while their client is sitting there eating dinner, and when that client gets up and leaves for at the end of the dinner, the biggest compliment we like to hear is, oh, I didn't even know there's a dog with you. And that is just amazing. That shows how much work that our puppy raiser put into those dogs, our care team, our training team, and ultimately our clients, uh, making sure those dogs are getting the love and care and setting them up for success to be amazing guide dogs. Yeah, um, and a lot of people don't even think about, you know, they think about the puppy raiser because they'll see that puppy out or they'll see that trainer out, but they don't see the canine care team out. And I got to shadow your team a while ago, and I was blown away on how efficient everything is. They have this, you know, this is what they do, then this and this and this, and I got to watch it, and they let me do a little bit of it. But how fast everything moves and how much care that they take for each of these dogs. They know those dogs by name. The dogs know them. I mean, that takes a lot of work. What do you, what do your training teams do or your care teams do to get to know that dog when they initially come in? Absolutely. So our dogs are staying in the village. I mean, first and foremost is setting up that environment to make sure that dog feels welcome when they're coming back from that puppy raiser. So, I mean, that's a clean, sterile environment making sure that, hey, they have the turndown service, just like you expect when you go to a hotel. Uh, we have the bed ready for them. We have treats sitting on their pillow ready to go. Uh, there's Ultimately, we have a liquor system, which is 24-hour water for them. And then we also have toys. So Nyla Bone, Kong, we have toys that are all prepped for them. So when that dog is coming into our village from that puppy raiser, they're already thinking like, oh, wow, I just went into the best hotel <laughs> that I'm ever going to stay at. <laughs> this is the life. Uh, and then most importantly, it's really looking at dogs love people and it's giving those dogs that time and attention that they deserve while they're with us. So uh, we have different groups in our team and everybody kind of has their specialty. So we have ultimately four team members that focus on dogs when they're first coming in and it's helping them make that transition and enjoy. And ultimately the puppy raisers set that foundation of what we expect of our dogs, but ultimately they're making sure that Hey, how they say sit is different than how the puppy raiser says sit. And they get used to the same language, but somebody else telling them that language so that they feel comfortable in their new environment. They're like, oh, I'm in a new place, but I know what's going on. I'm hearing the same information, the same language that I've heard my whole life. And then most importantly, every time that somebody talks to me, I get another treat. And this place is awesome. I love this. I mean... I, I'm the same way. If you give me a chocolate bar every time you talk to me, you're my <laughs> Should best friend. Should have brought some chocolate today <laughs> yeah. for death. I love your mentality. You can tell, one, you're passionate about what you do, and you see the long-term effects of what you do. But also that's passed down to your team members who are actively working with the dogs day in and day out. Um, I love the idea of, like, thinking of it as entering, you know, a hotel and the turndown service. I had never thought about that, but you're right. That's a huge transition for these dogs when they're coming from homes. And so to make it as comfortable as possible and let those dogs know that they're loved and cared for, I just think that's awesome. Um, and so talking about your journey and getting to Leader Dog, did you start out in this role? Have you been in this role? What are some things that you're hoping to do in the future in this role? Absolutely. I started out as the manager of canine care, so I've been in this role for the last 11 years. Uh, with that, it's been amazing. I mean, looking at what we've been able to accomplish to ultimately set up that environment and ultimately make sure that our dogs are receiving that care, love, and attention that they deserve. So care team-wise, 
we have such a, a empowered, inspirational, passionate team. They care about every single dog coming in. And with that, ultimately, is just helping that voice come from them and ensure that we're setting up that environment and taking their ideas and ensuring that our dogs receive all that time, attention, and uh, coming to fruition. So, I mean, I mentioned the Canine Development Center. We renovated it five years ago, and that renovation was about everybody's ideas and bringing it to life and ultimately making that environment. So construction renovation is painful, just to be honest. <laughs> you went through the ringer <laughs> yeah. with that. It yes. was a huge remodel, and we had dogs there during it. So your team had to take a special extra care of those dogs during kind of that crazy and hectic environment. What was that like for you? Uh, it was It was challenging. <laughs> Uh, but I'm one of those weird people that enjoys challenge and change. Uh, so it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was amazing. And most importantly uh, to the team, the first thing that we did was asked, what do you want to see in a new facility? And all those ideas were brought to life. So even though it was challenging and working through that construction, their ideas, even large or small, came to life. So it could be a Dutch door for the puppies to follow you through, and then you put the bottom half of it closed, so that when you need to step out of that puppy area, they're not able to follow you. <laughs> makes a huge difference. Uh, so it's all the little aspects that make that change. But most importantly, setting up that environment so that our dogs have the best environment to be in. Uh, we've always had the right team. We've always had passionate people. We've always had people that are just engaged in ensuring our dogs are able to be set up for success. But setting them up with the environment to support that has set it up ten time, tenfold of what the dogs we have today. Timothy, did you know that Glacier was in a hotel-like environment for a while? <laughs> oh, I, I'm sitting here looking at my, uh, I want to look at Travelocity and see if I can book a room right now for my stuff. <laughs> so, so, um, so, Jeff, today is, let's say today's issue day, and it's hot dogs for the clients at lunchtime. <laughs> so what is that day like for your canine team for that day? What do you all, what's the process like that day? So for us, um, issue day actually starts two weeks prior. Uh, our veterinary team is looking at our dogs, making sure they're happy and healthy, and ultimately are able to be issued to a client. And then past that, okay, the training team has been looking at those dogs and the clients and say, okay, where's that right match? Which dog should be matched with which client? So they're doing the art. They're making sure that we're matching that right dog with the right client. And then ultimately as a care team, we're getting like, okay, the match has been made. Now is our chance to really set up that dog for success. It's, this is the final of our journey. Uh, so they've been with us for four months. So any dog that you've known more than three days is going to be your best friend and you love. So at four months, we're, we have our dedicated team members that care for those dogs, and they love those dogs to pieces, and they know that this is their journey. They're about to graduate from college. They're going on to their next step in mission. To cry. And, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, truly, ultimately, we start our process of that three days prior. So first, we're going to groom those dogs, make sure they look happy, healthy, brushed out, groomed out, nails, everything is to the toe. Because if you look good, you feel good about where you're going. The I 100% believe that. Yeah. Uh, so for our dogs, we want to make sure they're set up for that success. Uh, right after we're grooming them, day two, we're going to go in and bathe every one of those dogs. And uh, it's ultimately the steps of making sure that every piece is polished. And ultimately when that client meets their next guide dog, they're like, wow, this is the most amazing dog I've ever met in my life. 
and I want to be a partner with this dog as we go forward. So after bathing, anytime you bathe a dog, a lot of times they're going to shed. Uh, they have extra fur they're going to lose for you. So we need to groom them out again to make sure we've gotten all that extra fur out and ultimately done the last touches to make sure that dog is set up to be the best dog. And then ultimately the day of, we're loading the dogs up on a training truck. We're doing little touches because you always have to do like spiff their hair, make sure everything's <laughs> perfect. And uh, then the, the ultimately the instructors are coming and getting those dogs from the truck and taking them in to meet their clients. So that dog is set in every way you could ever think of being ready to meet their client. And ultimately, they know something's going on three days prior because they can feel the excitement the team has about these dogs graduating because it's that next step in the journey. And uh, when I was finishing college, my next step of the journey was like, what am I getting into? <laughs> I'm uh, terrified. I don't know. <laughs> but like so excited. Absolutely. And for our dogs, it's making sure that they feel comfortable and they know that, wow, I'm taking that next step and this is going to be amazing. I'm ready for the next piece of my journey to keep on going. There's just so many pieces involved in this whole process, right? So thinking about the puppy raisers and the consistency that your team has to have with not only the puppy raisers, but the, the trainers as well. You guys are kind of those middle people that are hopefully making, again, all of the dogs feel really comfortable as they're kind of transitioning to these different steps. And we know we all get attached, like you said, after you're with a dog for an hour and you're in love and let alone three days, let alone four months. What is that like for your team as they're kind of, yeah, getting ready to send those dogs off? Have you heard stories of them? Are they emotional? Are they sad? Are they like, oh, it's another, you know, just another class? Everybody has a different way of showing their emotions. <laughs> uh, with that, I mean, absolutely. You have some team members that are jumping for joy. They know <laughs> they've fulfilled it. They've accomplished their goal. And it's ultimately that kind of that bookmark of, wow, I just had another 11 dogs go up to class graduating. And that's just a tribute to another group that I've been a part of their journey. Uh, other people, it's, it's a sad because they're like, okay, this dog's leaving me and I don't get to see them again. Ultimately, they might be going to Spain or Georgia and they put a lot of time and effort in setting this dog up for success. So it's an emotional event. Uh, in that, I mean, we have team members that have been with us for 20 plus years. And you think about how many dogs they graduated, uh, they're still crying. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I, in, this is why they don't let me over in that area too often because I think some <laughs> dogs would go missing. I'm just kidding. But <laughs> it would be very hard for me. I would just. I'd be a mess. But like Jeff has mentioned several times, it's like that whole impact. It's the mission. Yeah. It's what you're giving. It's what we hear from our puppy raisers too is, you know, it's not what you're giving up, but it's what you're giving. And then you hear Timothy's story or Rita's story who we talked to last week and you hear these impacts that these dogs have made and it all seems worth it. Yeah, definitely. Do you ever have your favorites, Jeff? Do you still have your favorites from the past or do you keep I up? I do. Any um, of you know, down the line? Absolutely. And uh, there's always a dog that kind of... Uh, touches your heart and as I've been with leader dog for 11 years as a paid team member now and there's absolutely dogs that touch my heart every single day and when you uh it's funny because I'm I'm a golden retriever person by heart side of it so I'm <laughs> a little bit affinity towards the goldens I love all dogs but uh when that golden is just kind of melting into your leg and puts his <laughs> yeah. chin on you and wants that extra love uh, that's that's me that's my dog right there uh so few favorites. I mean, over time, uh, obviously Jerry, which was my first puppy mm -hmm. uh, that I raised uh, past that, 
Uh, I can think of actually some of our shepherds that have really rang out to my heart as well. Uh, just they love to be challenged. They love to keep on learning. And I kind of like that also. Not only the love that a golden gives, but that dog that just like, okay, I'm ready for more. What are you going to teach me next? What's the next thing I'm getting into? Uh, so I've, I, I, there's too many dogs to say <laughs> names for every single one that <laughs> ranked my heart. Uh, so I'm not going, and I also feel bad that I left out dogs if I say names. So. Right, yeah. <laughs> no. I think that's as like... As long as one of them's Glacier. Absolutely. I think that's like almost every leader dog team member. If you ask somebody, no matter what our role, they've had an yeah. experience with a dog that has just totally impacted them, and they'll never forget that dog. I mean, I have a couple that I've only worked with once or twice doing an O&M walk on a Friday morning, but they do, they just like steal your heart and you're like, Oh my gosh, this is the dog. Um, and I had like a yeah. two hour interaction with them. Um, mine's every dog I meet. Yeah. Christina, you know, <laughs> like yeah, every time we go to an event and I yeah. have a different dog, I'm like, this is the dog. <laughs> I might take it from its owner. <laughs> just kidding. I would never do that. And I'm talking about our canine <laughs> ambassador dog. So they are our PR dogs. Those yeah. are the ones I see the most. I'm not, I would never take a dog from somebody else. We're watching you, Christina. Yeah. Don't worry. There is surveillance yeah. on you all the time. Can't be trusted. I just love them all. I can't. This is why I could never work over. And I mean, I think what your team does is amazing, but I'll stick in marketing. I can't. I couldn't do it. And there's so many roles over there at the Canine Development Center. And one thing, you know, I've been at Leader Dog, I think, eight years now, and I hardly get over to that building. And I'm going to do a tour this week, and I'm just thinking, I should go over and follow you for a hot second and get the, the roundabouts because it's such a big new facility, and it's absolutely gorgeous and wonderful. And all of those ideas from your team members really did come to fruition, and it's a beautiful place for our dogs. Um, and as you can tell, the dogs are the heart of our mission here. We absolutely, their lives are just as important as our clients and everybody else. So we're delighted that we get to work with everybody and kind of put that, that dog and human together, which I think is the most special bond to absolutely watch. You guys all have very important roles. What about some of the volunteers that work over there? Absolutely. So our team has a, is amazing group and I, I consider everybody part of the team. You look at volunteer or paid team member. Uh, so when you look at how we've structured our time, uh, ultimately we want to make sure that we're focusing every second that we can to give those dogs that set them up for success, I've said a few times. So for paid team, they're coming in at 6 a.m. They're giving those dogs, making feeding, relieving, medicating, uh, cleaning the environment, that side of it. Volunteer-wise of it, we have three shifts every single day that are coming in. And uh, for the dogs that are in training, ultimately two primary roles, and then we have outside roles that also help. But uh, canine support assistance is one role, and then the dog transition assistance is another role. So a dog transition assistant, that those volunteers, they sign up for one shift a day, a week, and ultimately same time every single week, and they're coming in for that two-hour shift. And they're all about helping that dog that has just came into us and helping them transition into the canine center. So the language that I was talking about, giving them that extra touch, time, and attention and then also kind of helping set that expectation of, hey, when you see people, it's all right. Be calm. Four on the floor. Uh, sit down. Here's a treat. And it's helping them understand that, hey, these are the behaviors that I get rewarded for. And it's very consistent with what the puppy raisers have done and then what the instructor is going to do as they're picking them up. It is so amazing 
all of those moving parts and the things you don't think about that the volunteers do as well. And I mean, who wouldn't want a volunteer to spend, you know, a few hours a week with a dog? I mean, I might. <laughs> no, we already decided you can't, Christina. You may not. I know. You may it's not. Fun. You never get her out of there. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much for all of the work that you and your team do over there to keep our dogs comfortable and safe and uh, successful. And thank you also to all of our listeners for listening to the Taking the Lead podcast. I'm Leslie Hoskins with hosts Timothy Cuno and Christina Hebner. We hope you enjoyed learning about Jeff and how our canine team takes care of our dogs in training. Please join us next week as we continue to dive into the world of blindness. Yes, and if you'd like to learn more about applying to Leader Dog, you can head to leaderdog.org or call us at 888-777-5332. And don't forget, you can reach us at takingthelead@leaderdog.org with any questions or ideas or to weigh in on our coffee chat. And if you like today's podcast, make sure to hit subscribe and check us out wherever podcasts stream.